Hello and welcome to this edition of ITR Voices. Joining me is Karine Halimi-Guez, Managing Director of Tax at the US headquartered delivery services company, FedEx. Hi, Karine. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Alice. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And so today's topic is diversity and inclusion in the corporate world. And I know that you're particularly involved in advancing gender equality at FedEx, Karine. So my first question for you is quite broad. Where do you think we are now with DNI in the corporate world? And what do you still think needs to be done? That's a very uh, dear topic to my to my heart. Um, I think that the context we live in, I mean, there's no need to remind everyone of how important and uh, acute the topic of diversity and inclusion is nowadays. Uh, from, from my perspective, the topic I've been um, focusing most on is really the gender balance. And... The reason, so, you know, I, I decided a few years ago that I would start helping women because I've been through very personal experiences. I have seen young women struggling to juggle work and family uh, while they were in their 30s, which I, I do believe just uh, there's a famous uh, uh, consultant and author and, and scholar on the topic, Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and she was describing the different decades that women go through. And definitely the 30s are, are one of the most, if not the most difficult decades. And that's exactly, that was also my experience. So I see younger women uh, who go through that same horrific decade and, and, and struggle a lot. They struggle to go back to work after maternity leave and unfortunately not having a very supportive partner. Uh, Sometimes they are overwhelmed by peer pressure and social biases because, you know, they live in a society where working moms uh, who get nannies uh, to help them are kind of a little bit, you know, despised because it's a very traditional and paternalist society that they live in and they don't even always realize that. So, you know, I'm French and um, in, in France, I feel these topics are very different. I feel that I've never felt those kind of, uh, this, this kind of pressure uh, as there's may, there may be. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Huh? But, but I, I think really uh, in France, the situation is a, is a little bit different and the pressure is not uh, as, as high because it, it is normal for a woman in France to, to have kids and to work. Uh, you know that there's what we call the French paradox, the highest, one of the highest level of birth rates in Europe. And at the same time, the highest, one of the highest professional, if not the highest professional uh, activity rate among women. Um, and I think this goes back really to, to French history. There's a great book from uh, somebody uh, quite famous in France. Her name is Elisabeth Davater. Um, she's a, a quite famous French writer and, and feminist. Um, she wrote a book many years ago called Le Conflit, La Femme et la Mère, so which translates pretty much into the conflict, woman, the woman and the mother. Uh, it's, it's absolutely a great book. And it, it explains that French society is a little bit different and French women are a bit different. Why? Well, it really goes back to 
18th century and the expansion of nannies. Nannies in the sense, in the French uh, meaning, uh, the sense of really breastfeeding nannies. So explaining that at that time, we're talking 18th century, it was normal for women to have uh, 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 to have babies and then, you know, handing them over to nannies during the day uh, who would literally, again, it's, it's a French word, it says nourrice, so it means feeding. So those, those women would breastfeed these, these babies while the mother would vacate to either social activities during the day or even professional activities if she had to because she needed to um, be able to pay the rent at the end of the month. That goes back, so you see, that, that goes back way, way back in, in the French history. And that's why when I started seeing, realizing that maybe, well, we've been a bit lucky, maybe, uh, and, and not everybody is, is there yet. And a lot of people, a lot of women are struggling much more. I, you know, that's kind of resonated uh, with me. And that's, that's why I, I, you know, wanted to do something about it to the extent I could. I mean, I'm obviously not the same, uh, not a global influ influencer, but just, you know, at my level, I thought I would try to, to help. Obviously, I mean, uh, this issue is the largest diversity issue in the world and, and a very visible one. Uh, and also, studies show constantly that uh, the more women you have in business, the better the business performs. So helping women uh, uh, you know, managing their, their professional and their family life and going, being more uh, better represented in, in businesses, in multinationals, is not only the right thing to do ethically, but, you know, let's be very pragmatic. It's also the right thing to do business-wise. And, and I think, um, as, I, as I described, you know, the, the, these, these topics remain extremely relevant including in very modern Western societies, okay? I'm not, yes, there's so much more that needs to be done uh, in societies where girls cannot even go to school, okay? So, of course, the, but, but, you know, I, what I'm trying to say here is even in countries, in modern, in, in Western societies where sending girls to school or even to college is not a problem, it's not a question, well, doesn't mean that the next steps are obvious not at all. And I must say, you know, I now live in the Netherlands and I had this image of the Netherlands as being very liberal and very open uh, uh, and modern society from a cultural, very open culturally, which it is, which it is except for the family, uh, uh, the concept of, of family, the values, the family values are extremely, extremely traditional. And I was very, very surprised. And you will see that the Netherlands do not score very high uh, in, uh, uh, in terms of, you know, gender parity in, in the OECD. Um, there's especially what I would call the trap of part-time work. In the Netherlands, women, um, as soon as they get their first child, they go part-time. 
And it's something that is almost assumed by the society. I'm a strong believer that part-time work is a killer to any professional professional career. It's a trap because you end up working, delivering the amount of work of five days a week, but you just get paid less. So, and you don't get the same recognition. So there's a lot of things that need to, to be, that need to be done. Um, and I think the fundamental challenge uh, is, you know, we should not see this as, um, you know, meaning that there's something wrong with women. This is not about fixing women. I do acknowledge that, yes, there are biases on both sides. And women also need to over, overcome these biases and they need to feel empowered. They need to dare applying to senior management positions. However, as long as men still hold most of the decision power in large businesses, I believe they need to be the ones realizing, first realizing how entrenched they are in a male-dominated view of what leadership qualities are. And secondly, they need to be willing to actually act upon it and change their behaviors. And none of this comes naturally. We know that, you know, the brain works, the chemistry, I'm talking the chemistry of the brain, works in such a way that, you know, it's easier naturally, but also physiologically easier to get with, you know, to, to get closer to people who are similar to you, who are close to you in the sense of resemble you, okay? So it takes a lot of efforts, a lot of energy, even I'm talking, again, from a physiological perspective, to go against that natural tendency. And it, it, it's a big ask. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying, I'm not blaming men. Uh, I think neither, you know, women do not need fixing and males should not be blamed for anything. But we need to create the environment, especially within businesses. I do believe that private businesses, that multinationals can really make a difference if they first realize that from a you know business standpoint, from a profit standpoint, this is good business. This is good business strategy. And as a consequence, adjust uh, their, their processes, adjust the way you hire, the way you promote, um, that's, that's how I believe we'll, we'll get to, to significant changes. But there's a, there's a need to, to grow the awareness and, again, realize that, oh, yeah, that no men are really saying, oh, I'm not going to take a woman. I don't want a woman for that position. I think we're past that stage. But the fact is, it, it's just the, the biases and the fact that leadership has been defined according to male values. Well, spoiler alert, women are not men. They don't think the same way. They don't behave the same way. Does it mean that they are less uh, capable of being good leaders? Definitely not. And actually, if you read one of the latest HBR article on the topic, it shows that actually women score higher in most leadership dimensions. 
So it's completely a bias problem in the fact that men or processes the way they are defined today in multinationals do not acknowledge that. That's what we need to change. Thanks for that, Karine. Some really interesting points and um, definitely it's something that still needs to be discussed and worked on. Um, Even though we've come a long way, there's a long way to go, right? Um, And so you're involved in a... um, in this, you're quite interested in this. And can you tell us a bit about the Benelux initiative at FedEx? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about it and super proud of it. I mean, we have a great team of very engaged women and uh, we have launched uh, a Benelux uh, female network. Um, and we did that a couple of weeks ago. And, and that's, you know, in, in everything that I've discussed, uh, that I've explained to me, that's definitely the first step which is, um, you know, raising awareness on the topics, um, which is also empowering, trying to empower women within the organization. Uh, we have three pillars, networking, mentoring, and learning. So we, it's not, you know, it's really we want to, to trigger, to be impactful to the organization. And that's why also we have some of the highest level of sponsoring in, in Europe. So this is not a check-the-box initiative. We really want to change the face of the business and we really want to change the leadership pipeline. And uh, the execs in Europe are extremely supportive of that. And they, they involve, they get involved in, in the initiative uh, themselves. So, and you know that, you know, being in the logistics and transportation industry, this is a very male dominated industry. So we're, you know, trying to break the glass ceiling, especially in operations. So I'm, I'm really, happy that that we started you know we are being serious about it we launched this this great uh initiative a couple of weeks ago with uh and we've we've seen um until now we've seen great support great reaction great feedback so i hope we're going to take that uh, forward even even more as i said to me that's that's the first step we're getting the discussion started we're getting we're increasing the awareness um and we are trying uh, to empower women uh, uh, to, you know, move up the ladder and and be, uh, you know, there applying, but also be recognized as, you know, good potentials, uh, as good uh, uh, candidates for promotion to uh, senior leadership positions. So super happy about it. Yeah, indeed. I think it's the kind of thing we'd love to see elsewhere, you know. Hopefully it will just broaden from here. Vive la revolution. <laughs> um, so that's everything for today. So thank you very much, Corinne, for joining me. And thank you for listening to ITR Voices. You can listen to this podcast again or other episodes anytime by going to the ITR website and finding the podcast tab. <laughs>